Dr. Courtney Rose. And I'm Dr. Patty Rose. And welcome to the Ivy Roses Podcast. Where we talk about everything that matters and that's important and we think there's something to say about it. Well, not everything's going to be important, but at least it'll be fun to talk about. Okay, so today our episode is a little bit more on the lighthearted side. Well, some of you might feel that this is not lighthearted at all. Uh, we are going to be talking about sweating the small stuff. Now, this is not our terminology. Mm-hmm. There's a series of books called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. These books were written by an author named Dr. Richard Carlson. Richard Carlson was a PhD. And his first book was Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. And then Don't Sweat the Small Stuff with Your Family. (laughs) Much needed. (laughs) And then the other is Don't Sweat the Small Stuff at Work. So I'm sure that we can all relate to this and need a lesson in this. But our take on this is a little bit different because we're saying that it's okay to sweat the small stuff sometimes. Like, you shouldn't walk around all the time sweating it, but sometimes you just stuff just pisses you off, and we just get petty, and it makes us feel better. So let's get started. Courtney, would you agree with that? Is it okay to sweat small stuff? I mean, I think... Whether it's okay or not, I think we can't expect that we won't get a little stressed out or aggravated by something small. And we should acknowledge those moments and give them, you know, a little space. Right. I'm actually excited about even talking about sweating the small stuff because I have some stuff that I've been sweating (laughs) and I need to get it off my chest. So (laughs) I'm actually Get prepared, y'all. I'm excited. So let's go. And the first one, and I think we have talked about this, Courtney, this drives me crazy. All right, what is it? And that is when I am in the grocery store (laughs) shopping, and I'm going through the aisles, and someone stops with their shopping cart in the middle of the aisle and will not move in either direction unless they are told to move. Now, (laughs) what... (laughs) Relatable. Hashtag... Relatable. <laughs> I, I try to figure out Listen. why does that annoy me so much, but let's flesh it, it out. It annoys me in all of its forms because this thing re- uh, manifests with shopping carts in stores, grocery store, Target, or, or whatever kind of store. Right. It also manifests in just driving. So if you're in a parking lot. Right. So my version of this extends to the parking lot of right. said store. Right. Where people are just driving. I literally was yelling about this uh, a couple days ago because all I wanted was a cup of coffee. And I had a long drive after. And then some people were just stopping in the middle of the lanes of the parking lot as if it was their driveway. Like, no other cars were there. This is just my time, my space. Whatever you're doing, I think they were dropping kids off or whatever because there was a ballet studio nearby. But, like, park in a parking space if you need time to gather. Well, I agree with that 100%. And I think why it bothers me so much in the grocery store is because (laughs) grocery shopping is an ordeal for me because I made a decision to lead my life in such a way that I have to read everything that I buy because I'm trying to eat 
food that is optimal for my body. So I want to go in the aisle, take my time, and so forth. But the problem is, when I get to said aisle, and I'm ready to go to start the process, there is oftentimes a person with their shopping cart in the middle of the aisle, blocking the way, and they have stepped away from their cart in some instances. So their cart is in the way, and they're overdoing their thing. Uh, And they just don't have the courtesy to know that other people are going to come through that aisle and you have to say something to them in order to make them move. And so you have to gather yourself so that you could do it politely and ask the person to move. And invariably, they will say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And, you know, you just go on with it. So that seems like, how can that bother you so much? But I have to say it does. I just think it's it's kind of like a general lack of awareness that yes. you're not the only person occupying this space. And I try to be in my life so considerate of how my actions are impacting others. Right. Especially when I know, like, whether you're in the grocery store or another type of store, you're running an errand. Right. And you've probably, you know, scheduled that in. Yeah, time. To your day. And I try to be so aware of the fact that this was something I had to fit into my day and my week because my new schedule is bananas. And so when I schedule to do anything... It's such a moment. Right. But and I'm also trying to get through it. So for me, what aggravates me about it is just like the lack of awareness of others. And in general, that is something I find bothersome. Okay. So I just thought of something. Instead of us just releasing our pettiness today mm-hmm. and the small stuff, let's also give advice yeah. about how this can like be rectified. This. Because I like what you said. What you are asking mm-hmm. for And for those of you out there who can relate to this particular issue, (laughs) we are asking for you as individuals to be considerate. Yes. Particularly in the grocery store and in parking lots. Mm -hmm. This is not a lot to ask for. Just (laughs) when you go down the aisle, think of this discussion and say, oh, I need to put my cart on the side because there's other people that need to pass by. Yeah, I love this. I love it. I love it. And I think that consideration, if you put it into play in that small, seemingly small aspect of going to the grocery store, driving through a parking lot, it may extend into other aspects of your life. Right. Then you'll be considerate in other ways because we're going to name other ways. Some other things. Other issues. Can I drop? Can I drop one now? Yes. Okay. So here's one that I. It's very small, but it's so. It bothers me so much. But when you go to a restaurant, and you're sitting down and you're eating, it has two sides. It's this is how petty it is because um it's so, like it has two sides. I can't really handle it when a waiter is constantly or waitress is constantly coming to your table. And interrupting your conversation every five seconds with, do do you need anything? How are you doing? But then I get equally annoyed or upset if the waiter is not attentive enough. Oh, (laughs) I can relate to this so much. And we're going to go international with this. Yes. Let's go in and let's really explore this because, you know, on Friday nights, as you know, your father and I always go on a date. So he's very busy during the week, and I'm busy during the week. So during the week, we don't get to really have long conversations. So on Friday night, we finally get get to sit down at a restaurant of our choosing, Mm -hmm. and we just try to catch up and talk. It's really a really nice time. 
But that happens, what you're describing. Oh, where so much. The waiter or waitress will bring our food, you know, get everything out there. We've gone through the process of reading the menu. We know what we want and so forth. And then someone will keep coming over, the waiter or waitress, oh. and saying, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And, you know, you want to be polite and just say, everything is fine, thank you. But when it happens repeatedly, you get to a point where you... The conversation that you were having is too, turns to if that person ex- comes over here one again, more time. I'm going to, you know, and we don't want that to happen. So I'm so glad you brought that up because the other side of it is that if they stay away too long, Listen. for example, it's time to get the check and then nowhere to be found. <laughs> then you're like, now where are they? And I here's my thing going into the beyond. Like I understand we're gonna go into there's a lot to manage when you are a waiter or waitress. Like, there's a lot. And coming from a person who's in, who considers herself in the, the, I don't know if it's, I'm in the helping industry as a teacher, but, like, we have to manage the needs of a lot of people at once. And so I get it. It's something that I can relate to. Right. But you have to figure that out. Yeah, that has to be, it has been figured out. I'm going to give the example. I'm ready. So in Japan... Yes. Okay, I feel that Japan has mastered this. They have, you know, as a person who has traveled extensively, I'm going to give kudos to Japan on this because they have this down. So what happens generally when you mm-hmm. go to a Japanese restaurant in Japan, mm-hmm. you order your food, they bring the food over, and then they go and they stand um. nearby and they watch the tables that they are serving, but quite a distance away where you don't feel, you don't even know they're there unless you glance over it and you happen to see, like, you, you don't even know they're there. But they kind of watch your situation. Yeah. And so if they see that you need something, because, you know, we have uh, body language that will indicate that we need something, they will come over immediately to resolve the issue. Exactly. So, for example, if your water is low mm-hmm. and they are watching from afar, they'll come over. If they see you looking around, like maybe your chopsticks are missing, magically they will appear. Oh, you know, so and, but And it's done generally in silence because they know what you need. Yeah. And on a, Isn't that like wonderful? now that we've taken this global, I think globally, I think I, that this issue is... I don't know that it's uniquely American, but I know that we've traveled extensively and I yeah. haven't had this complaint as much in other countries. Well, Japan was an example right. so, of a But solution. I think yeah. it's kind of rooted in our culture, right? When you're at the job, always look like you're working. And yes. so what looks like you're working is like constantly going and doing right. things. And it's like the equivalent of shuffling papers in an office. Like, right. you know, it's like constantly going over and checking in. And I... On the one hand, it might seem like great customer service. It's not. But it's not because you're <laughs> literally in the middle of a conversation and you have to either, you could be talking about something very personal. And we could be very have, rude if we respond by saying to this question, is everything okay? You know what? No, it's not okay. It's not okay because I was in the <laughs> I middle of a conversation so and you times. came over here to ask me if it's okay. And now it's not okay. But you see that. Yeah then you would be considered the bad person. So you have to have that conversation in your mind yeah. with that person with a little grimace. And I believe that if the little grimace comes yeah. across, that's yeah. when they disappear. Yeah. That's when you're but not getting don't go too far. No help at all. 
Because then, but you know, some restaurants in America are starting to do this. I know um, they'll have like the to resolve the receipt issue. You could pay on like little things on the table in certain restaurants. Oh, yeah. I know, like, but it's not just about the receipt. But but also, I I I will look up the chain, and when I mm. find it, I will put it in the description because I uh-huh. know it exists. But it it um they have like a a box on the table and yes. I know it exists because my friend went to the restaurant and took a picture and because she knows I have this issue. Yeah. And so they they have like this little box that they put on the table with like lights or something. Yeah. And one light means I don't need anything. Right. And the other light means like I need something. Oh I love and, it. Or it sends a message somewhere for your waiter to come to you. And it's just like don't come here unless I Push this but button. they have this already on the airplanes That's because there's a button. It applies the, the flight, flight attendant, attendant which I accidentally pressed by accident one time because I was on? trying to turn the light on, and <laughs> We've the all flight been attendant there. just came out of nowhere and said, Listen. "Do you need something?" And I was like, "Oh no, I don't. I'm sorry." But I was like so grateful that she came over. <laughs> so I think I love that idea. If we can just have something, a little thing, it doesn't have to be elaborate. Yeah, but a little. Something at the table, and as you said, this has already been invented, so it's Somewhere. not novel. But where we could just, if I need you, mm-hmm. I will call you. Otherwise, don't come. It over. doesn't even need to be high tech. Like I'll flip a chart, like, and if it's like a green card, come, and it's a red card, don't. Like I like a white card to fill some water up. I'll do it. But I also love. This is why it's such a comp- complex issue and such probably something that drives. Waitresses and waiters crazy because every individual is so different with this. But I love it when just like my water just never gets low. Yeah, I like that too. As long as you I just drink come so much over water and just pour it though. Just if I'm in a conversation, you know, we nothing has to be said about this water. <laughs> the glass is low. Just fill it up. If you don't, you know, what? Oh, don't fill it up and let me press the button. But I do want to <laughs> say to all of the people out there who are waiters and waitresses. Mm-hmm. We respect you we so much it. and what you do because, you know, going out and having mm-hmm. that leisure time and have a nice meal is an amazing thing. So if you can shed some light on this, please do, because you know what I was thinking? And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm right about this. I have in my mind that there's training that I takes agree. place. 100%. And that somebody is telling people to do this because... The other thing that I don't like, and this is, I believe, because I'm a New Yorker. Okay, okay. Let's hear it. And so New Yorkers are, I don't want to generalize, but I was born and raised in New York, and New Yorkers can be a little less than communicative sometimes mm-hmm. when we're moving about in our quick, you know, we have places to go and things to do. Not that everybody else doesn't, but when you're in New York, you feel that stuff, right? So as a born and bred New Yorker, when I walk into a store, because I'm about to shop, if I come into the store and I select your store, it's highly likely that I'm I'm serious about buying something in here. Yeah. You know? So I'll come in and I, I usually just dash in. And in some places, people have been trained to to vociferously speak to you, to say, mm-hmm. hello, how are you today? You know, when you walk in the store. Mm-hmm. Now, I should be happy about that, right? That somebody has been so kind <laughs> to speak to me because I just walked in the store. But I'm like, when somebody speaks to me, uh, I want it to be genuine. Yeah. Like, I don't want you to have to do that with every customer that came in. Because then the hello or the hi doesn't seem 
personally. But know. greeter is an actual job. <laughs> no, but this in is sometimes store. not the greeter. This is sometimes <laughs> sometimes there's a greeter, and that's do you like the, at the front door? Yeah, because I feel like, well, that's your job, and I'm all about people having jobs, and that's your job. You they're paying you to greet me. Okay, cool. Okay, that's your job. But I'm talking about when you have. You walk in the store and there's someone behind the register. And I'm thinking of a clothing store mm-hmm. or something. And you walk in and there, there's like a bell that rings to let them know mm-hmm. that you walked in. And then that person yells out like, hello, you know, and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> and I have to speak back. See, this sounds petty. <laughs> Is it because you don't want to talk back? Yes, it's because I am just... I know okay. how much this is small stuff, but it's like I'm coming in the store to shop. I could have been deeply thinking about something or whatever because I'm in my head a lot. Right. And I just want to get in and maybe go over to the, you know, workout clothes or the blouses or the pants or whatever, get over there, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I don't necessarily feel that uh, inauthentic hello. <laughs> From across the space is necessary. <laughs> just let me enter and just, do my thing. Just let me enter and do my thing. You know, don't make me have to lift up my shades <laughs> if I have them on to see who it is that's speaking to me or whatever, or to even have to respond in that case. <laughs> because it's I not authentic. You. I feel you. I get it. I feel you. Okay. <laughs> I have another one. Okay. We're all over the place, but these are just coming into my head. Okay, so I have a dog. You may occasionally hear him on the podcast, but I have a dog and he's a small Shih Tzu and he gets walked twice a day of, you know, and I walk him a lot. So anyways, one thing I hate is people who feel like they have control of their dog and they don't feel like they need to have it on a leash and then the dog, they don't have, the dog is not responsive to them right. whatsoever. Right. And so then you have this dog following you around or harassing your dog <laughs> because, and the owner is just standing somewhere going, Mitzi, <laughs> Mitzi, come back. And Mitzi does not care. Okay. You don't have control of Mitzi. <laughs> Mitzi has stopped listening to you. Right. Put Mitzi on a leash. Right. Okay. Like right. I am one hundred percent a dog lover and think they should have as much freedom to run and right. roam as possible. Right. But you know, I have to say I agree with you on that because I'm so conflicted. We have to have a whole show about pets. Yes, we do. I think we should dedicate an entire episode because I have so many issues and feelings about. Uh, pets and how they should be handled in this society and freedom and non-freedom mm-hmm. and ownership of them and everything. It goes so deep. We can have a- it requires an entire episode. But I do agree because sometimes the dog that is coming at your dog is a large Very dog. Very large. And when you have a little tiny dog like Riley, who is 12 pounds, and then you have a big dog that is approaching your little dog and that dog is seemingly wonderful and mm-hmm. the owner feels oh he loves everybody or she loves everybody don't worry it's like but i but i'm worried though <laughs> i'm worried not only about my dog but i'm a little worried about myself, myself. so I- can you please get your dog because you're calling the dog and it's not coming i'm panicking my dog is panicking you know this is not working out. So I feel you on that one. And I feel that once again, this boils down to just be considerate. 
Just be just If we could just get to a point of being considerate of others where we could say in our minds, if you have a large dog in particular that you love very much and is probably very lovable, but that, you know, not everyone knows that my dog is lovable because my dog looks really big, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So, and well, maybe the little dog is, is not, not lovable. Because sometimes little, I've had a little dog... Not love, not that it's not lovable, but that is no, no, but that doesn't love uh, like well, yeah, like nip the mess out. I've of had you. a little dog like come after me, <laughs> just barking at me. I was walking, I had my headset on, and I looked around, and this little dog who was not on leash, yeah, there was no place, nobody to be found, and this dog was barking at me, and then finally. The person comes out and calls the little dog, and the dog is not responding, and they have to run over and get it. And yeah. I'm like, listen, you know, you got to be more mindful. Listen, my dog doesn't listen to me for anything. Yeah. And so, like, Bradley doesn't right, listen he to He doesn't care when I call him to do things, <laughs> which is fine. We've established this relationship, and he has his space to do his thing. But when we go on a walk, yeah. and we let, like, my dad started doing this when he walks him to let him just choose his route right right which i support (laughs) but he knows that he has if he steps out of line or finds himself in peril i have the leash right and i can help him (laughs) but and he'll look back for that he he will on those occasions where i walk him which is very rare but on those occasions where i do walk (laughs) riley i notice that if if there's a loud noise or something like that He'll look back like, are you there? And I'm like, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, but anyway, let's have a pet show. Okay. At some point, because I, for the pet lovers out there, oh my goodness, we're so excited to do that one, but we're going to bring up a lot of stuff, so get prepared. All right, what else do you have? So the next one I have is, this one is may not be small stuff. This oh one is, is a little bit more intense, but... So I am of African descent. Obviously, we had our Ghana episode, so you can hear all about the year return and all that. But I was born and raised in the United States of America. And so people will ask this question. So what country are you Uh, from? This was on my list, too. And I'm saying... Okay, I'm glad you brought I don't understand this question. Like, what do you mean? Because I have... So I'm told a New York accent. We'll let you all comment. and (laughs) Yeah, so I'm told I have a New York accent. But other than that, Uh, you know, I think that, you know, I'm speaking English. Um, I wouldn't mind if I was from another country because God knows I love to travel the world. But this is my country. So I was born and raised in the United States. So I wouldn't mind if you... Are saying to me, are you from another country? Because, you know, that's that's okay. But why is the mm-hmm. question that I'm asking? What is it about me that leads people to ask, so what country are you from? And I'm not saying this happens a lot, but it happens in those yeah. scenarios where, you know. So, for example, when I had my locks, mm-hmm. which I don't have anymore, but I used to have a full head of locks, quite long, and this question would come up when I had the locks. And now I don't have the locks, so I thought, you know, well, it was the locks because maybe people thought I was a Rastafarian or something like that, and maybe from Jamaica. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even though you're giving you know, a lot, you're people, giving them a lot. Enough people have locks in the United yeah. States <laughs> where we should not, 
you know, mm-hmm. relegate one person to a particular group of people because of their hair. Right. But now I don't have the locks and it still happens. And what really bothers me is that people that I have known for a while, you know, who I assumed all along that this person just knew I was American just like that person was, who then asked, so what country are you from? And I was like, oh, are you... Why mm-hmm. are you asking me that question? Yeah. So what do you think about that? Have you so, experienced Of course. I, I wrote an entire college essay about it. But I would get a different question, and this was one of mine, which is where people ask me because of my... I don't know what, my complexion. I used to wear my hair very like straight. Mm-hmm. And so um, people used to ask me, what are you? Yeah. Meaning what race and ethnicity that sounds even deeper than what country you're from so but i think they come from the same thing of this so what are you i would get from people of all like what is your racial what is your racial ethnic black background and i was getting asked this since i was you know starting around the age of probably 11 so just assuming that for whatever reason that you're not that i'm that i'm biracial or multi-ethnic or something like that and so that annoyed me because I had to constantly justify like and people I would share tell me, your identity yeah people would tell me it wasn't like they would just be like you talk you don't talk like the other black kids you don't you know act like the other black kids and I was like well how do black kids act like right. is there a universal black kid handbook I made? right <laughs> did I not get one at birth <laughs> and that is you know we can have a whole um conversation about microaggressions and all of that right. which is a big thing but I think we're they stemmed from the same place as the question, what country are you from, with the assumption, that, or maybe it's their not, their unintelligent or uninformed way of asking. What, I, what, I just I, there's just no way. Well, listen, you know, one time, I'm, I'm going to leave this person unnamed, but <laughs> I remember one time going to visit and have a meeting mm-hmm. with the president of a university. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with this person, and I one of the first questions that was asked of me, and I was speaking exactly as I'm speaking now, I did have the locks, I came there for a formal meeting and mm-hmm. so forth, and I would say within five minutes of that meeting, this person asked me, so what country are you from? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, and then, you know, I, I, I was so taken aback that I think I made a gesture, gesture. And then that person said, oh, you know, I just meant, are you from Jamaica? And I said, Jamaica, Queens? <laughs> you know, that was my response. Of like all of my decorum mm-hmm. that I came in with was, you know, causing me to lean forward and mm-hmm. say, Jamaica, Queens. In New York, oh, oh, I get it, I get it. And I'm saying, I just don't understand that question. So, is there, there's, there the assumption that all black people in our are like only one or two generations removed from an island? Well, you know what? That question is so petty in terms of people <laughs> asking that question that I'm not even gonna. What I do is. It's not even inconsiderate to me. Mm-hmm. It's something else. I don't it's know what uninformed. it is. It's uninformed. I'm not even going to go there mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm not. Yeah. So what I just do is I just tell them, mm-hmm. I am American, mm-hmm. born and raised. And then if I get really irate, if it's somebody that I feel is just being vicious, I will even take it a step further and say, you know, because my people built this country and then I'll go into that <laughs> whole thing. 
So rather than go there, I just, like I did with that person, I just said from Jamaica, Queens in New York, yeah. and gave that person a firm look and let that person go back into a shell yeah. of embarrassment. And then we went on with the conversation because it's just ridiculous. So, you know, you see that one is a little bit, you see how it gets you riled it gets up. Riled, it gets you riled up, but I think that's why those, sometimes the little things are rooted in bigger social, inter, like issues of social interaction and social just decorum. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? And so I think when you are finding yourself really constantly and consistently irked by something, there's a, you have to think, like, what's at the core of this? Right, and that's why the title of this is uh, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, or You Have to Sweat the mm-hmm. Small Stuff Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you need to sweat it a little bit, and you need to get it off your chest, because some of it is, you know, we use more significant terms for some of it that is racially based or biased, and we call those microaggressions and microassaults and all those right. kind of things. But, you know, given that this is a more lighthearted uh, session, we won't go deep there, but that's just one of them. Another one is, and I have to say I'm guilty of this sometimes, so I'll preface this by saying that <laughs> sometimes I do this because when I'm speaking and listening in a conversation, I get very excited sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on the topic. And so this is what it is. When people cut you off before you finish a sentence, yeah. So, what do you think about all that? All right. So, <laughs> my boyfriend would probably lean in all the way forward. Like, what's she going to say? Because this is probably the biggest thing that I do mm-hmm. in a conversation. But I will say that I do understand this, although it aggravates me as well when people do it to me. Right. But because I <laughs> feel like I have such a well-crafted comment or argument that you need to hear it uninterrupted in its entirety right and then I get so excited like my brain I really feel like I stumble over my words a lot I don't I don't necessarily stutter but I find myself stumbling over words and I really do believe it's because my brain just works really fast and my mouth can't keep up and so I'm gonna give myself that but I think what happens when I'm listening to people is I'm formulating my response, yes, which I recognize as a potential flaw in myself. Because right. that's not listening. Because <laughs> that's not listening. <laughs> and I have the same this problem. Is very, listen, I'm owning it <laughs> right. as a flaw. Yeah. And I, I recognize it as such. But I, I, this is why I understand this, why yeah. it's annoying. Because though you really understand the person not listening to you, they're to understand, they're listening to respond, right. which are two different forms of listening, mm-hmm. and one can be very unproductive. Right. And I, you know. But yeah. anyway. So I'm guilty of that, too. And I feel that the reason why it happens to me. So with this one, the solution, <laughs> I think, because we said be considerate, but the other one is to have compassion. Yeah. And in this case... I'm probably saying all this because I know that I'm prone to do this. Yeah. Um, but I, I was having a conversation with uh, two individuals who are older than me not too long ago. And, oh, my goodness, the conversation got so intense. We were talking about some really important things. And we were having wine while we were talking and so forth. And then I remember one of the people just stopped and said, 
and don't interrupt her when she is answering, you know, <laughs> regarding the other person. Because in the conversation, there had been some of that interruption. Right. And then I just kind of laughed about it because I realized that what was happening is that you had three individuals who were very scholarly slash <clears throat> intellectual in mm-hmm. this particular discourse, all trying to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And... Everyone, instead of listening to each other, it had gotten to that point, was quiet. But while they were quiet and the other person was talking, they were actually formulating their response to part of what that person said because they missed the beginning. So, you know, active listening is when you just listen and you wait and then you allow a little bit of... Time. I think you even told me that in either China or Japan, there's this practice of like waiting a second before you respond or a certain amount of time. Well, in China, so for example, in teaching Chinese students, Mm -hmm. what I have noticed, because when I was growing up, if my mother was talking to me about something and she wanted a response from me, she would say to me, Answer me. Don't you hear me talking to you? Mm-hmm. And what I was doing was, as she was, you know, getting in my face about mm-hmm. something that I did, I was a very good child, but, you know, you make mistakes sometimes, <laughs> right? So she was saying, answer me. Girl, don't you hear me talking to you? And I would be trying to formulate a response mm-hmm. to what she had asked me, but I was also very nervous because... She was getting really agitated that I wasn't coming up with an answer quick enough. And I noticed that, you know, this happens also in a classroom setting where we ask a student a question and then we want them, boom, to come up with an answer. Mm -hmm. So in China, what I learned right away in teaching Chinese uh, university students is that you ask the question and I figured out a little formula that if I walk one walk across the front of the room and back partially by then, I get a very cogent response. Yeah. I ask the question, and then I wait. And why? Because their culture, from what I have experienced, has not taught them to answer right away. Or don't you hear me talking to you? Respond when I say something, yeah. when I ask you a question. But rather to think before you speak. Yep. And I think that when you do think before you speak, you come up with a much better answer. But the excitement of a conversation especially if it's a political conversation or, you know, those areas that they say, you know, religion and politics, if you go into those two, people can lose it in those conversations. Oftentimes, you will just speak over a person because you're so excited for your response. I can't think of another reason for it. Can you? No, I think it's... It's not just... I think it's literally... I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but right. I think a lot of it does come from the fact that you are very firmly rooted in what you believe about the topic. Right. Which is why it has reached this very passionate point of discussion. Right. And so you are just trying to get your point across. You go more into a mode of convincing rather right. than discussing. Right. Which I think is the issue. And I. I'm trying to be more aware of that right. when I'm having conversations with everyone because I think that's where continued misunderstandings and 
um, misperceptions and misconceptions continue to happen because we're all just not changing our perspective. I posted something on the on the um, on my personal Instagram saying that you know problems never got solved from the same level of consciousness from which they were produced. Right. And so like that's where I'm trying to shift. Like listen to understand so I can respond. Um, to the entire argument. But it requires think, patience too though ugh. because remember sometimes when people give a response to a question mm-hmm. the response is really long. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, already can I speak now because yeah. I have listened yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I know that as a parent this happens mm-hmm. because when you're a parent, sometimes you have a child and, you know, this could be in the teenage years or older, I would say, when the dialogue really gets intense and you're trying to explain to them why you believe or do not believe something. Right. And you have to bring in historical considerations and your parents and the grandparents, you know, you, you need like every resource that you have in order to convince this young person that what I'm saying to you is rooted in something. It's not just because I disagree. And that child was like, listen, you know, this is going, this is too long, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and they want to respond. And then that's when it can get combative. So I think that somehow discourse has to be in such a way that we have an awareness Mm -hmm. And compassion and understanding of the dynamics that's going on within the conversation. Yeah. But we also have to admit that when we do that, we weren't listening. <laughs> you know, and that's the part. <laughs> and that's the part about it is to be honest with yourself. Yeah, be honest. Because the other side of that is the thing. Like, if we're going to have this conversation, then listen when I'm speaking so that we mm-hmm. can have the conversation because that's one of the other side of it is the opposite of getting caught off, which is like, I can clearly tell that you tune me out at some right, point. Right, right. And you're going to try to re- fake respond. <laughs> right. Like, if you didn't hear what I said, and then I hate, I really hate the sense of like, I heard you. Obviously, you heard me because you're right. in my, the space where right, I'm speaking. Right, right, but you weren't but listening. But you weren't listening. Yeah. And so don't fake respond. Because right. I am so attentive when I'm speaking. You know, waiting to hear what you have to say to what I said. (laughs) I know that you didn't hear what I said and you have like, you can't convince me that you were. Right. Because your response has given you away. Right. Like if I've gone into so much detail, I I can't, I'm trying to get better with not interrupting people and also understanding that. When someone interrupts me, it's probably for the same reason that I interrupt them to be understanding and not... Because then the discussion becomes an argument about interrupting each other. Right, which which has happened. (laughs) I mean, it's just so ridiculous. So compassion when you're in a conversation and then so on. So, okay. So I have another one and then let let me ask you if you have another one. But this one, I just can't wait to talk about because it happens to me so much. And that is when you lose something Mm -hmm. that is important to you, Mm -hmm. no matter how small, (laughs) and someone says, just get over it. And, And even brings out discussions of, you know, practice detachment and so forth. (laughs) (laughs) But let me tell. 
That drives me crazy. Or what drives me crazy is then when you have to sit through a lecture about if you would have put it in the right place. Uh, Like, I understand. It wouldn't be lost. I understand where I had a misstep. Yeah. We're not talking about that. Help me find it or don't. Right. Like, or get, like, don't. Right. Like, don't get, then like, lecture me once I found it. Right. And I'm at peace about it. Right. Oh, it drives me crazy. Like, well, you're always putting things everywhere. Yes, right. I know. Right. But help me find the thing I'm or looking for now. Or when you hang the keys on the key rack and you won't lose them, it's like, I know that, but obviously I didn't hang it on the key rack. Or I am prone to you lose earrings, which I have resolved <laughs> because I went on Amazon and I bought... A box of a thousand. No, she brought a bats. chest of earring box. <laughs> no, bats. I really did. But then recently, <laughs> oh, recently it was right before the storm was supposed to hit us, and I put on a pair of earrings, and these earrings were from Tanzania or Tanzania. Mm-hmm. I learned while I was there. That's the proper way to say it. And I. For whatever reason, they're really light because they're made out of like tree bark. They're mm-hmm. really pretty, right? Oh, it's simple, triangle shape. So I put these on, and I didn't put on one of the one thousand facts. <laughs> <laughs> I went outside mm-hmm. with your father to walk Riley. Uh-huh. Most rare occasions, I told you when I do that, and the wind blew. And I realized moments afterwards, because I didn't feel it, I said, hey, I think one of my earrings blew away. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Now, I have so many earrings. Clearly, anyone could see how many earrings I have would say, it's just it's just a pair of earrings. But no, it's not, because <laughs> those were purchased, and I remember where and when and how and everything. So, long story. The bottom line is that I had one of the most wonderful moments of my life that morning, and that is because you and your father, mm-hmm. not only did you not say, well, why didn't you put the backs on and all of that, but you guys mobilized po- mobilized, <laughs> and went outside and followed the path where we walked. I'm dying. <laughs> and looked for the earring. Now, granted, we never found it. But you felt validated <laughs> in that moment? But I felt that was bigger than the loss. <laughs> Because usually I have to pray to St. Anthony, which the prayer to St. Anthony, I'm not Catholic, but Mm -hmm. I learned of praying to St. Anthony, who is the saint of lost things, and that St. Anthony will help you find them. And I have done that on many occasions, and remarkably, maybe not right away, but I will find that thing. So that prayer is out there for that. But what I felt most proud of in that moment, I felt loved. didn't scold me you didn't say any of those things that really Mm -hmm. would have sent us into like craziness but instead you guys we mobilized the only only way to put it is we mobilized there were sneakers put on and people went outside with the threat of a hurricane in the area so that is you know I I want to say that that is the product of um Decades of lessons learned, <laughs> and on both of our parts, right. my father's and mine. My favorite story, where I maybe wasn't so kind to your search, was I was home visiting from grad school when I was working on my doctor, like the first couple of years, and you had lost a necklace at work, or, if, or you didn't know where you lost it, but by the right. time you got to work, you realized the necklace was gone, and Dad was home that day for some reason. <laughs> This story, I'll never forget. 
and we were living in the condo so where i was i was sleeping in the front room which it wasn't a room that could close we just had a huge curtain that closed it off and you i just hear things being tossed about and dad came in and was like mom lost a necklace we have to find it and i was like nope nothing i'm not looking for anything until 1 p.m and if it's not found by then i will join the search party but we won't we won't. And he found it. Yeah, he did find me. <laughs> he emptied every laundry basket. Hey, listen. House. This is one of the things I love about this man. I lo- you see, when people say, oh my goodness, you've been married for 33 years. What is it? And that is because he gets me. You know, if someone can just get you. so He mobilizes. In regard to loss. And yeah. I will mobilize for him, too. If he loses something, oh. he rarely loses anything. But if he does, I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all yeah, in to find sure he doesn't ever Yeah, lose he anything. really loses anything. But when he does lose something, like if he loses something, he, like his wallet, it has, it's usually something big or his keys, very rarely. Then I'm just like, well, where did you last have it? And what will you carry? This is you my know? area of expertise. <laughs> and it's, it's like, let me help because I understand. Listen, when I was a child, I honestly be- used to think, this is a real thing that, because I'm very good at finding things in wow. obscure places. And I used to think that my mom like purposefully, quote unquote, misplaced things to train me on how to find things for- quickly. Because she knew this was a part of who she is as a person. And I was just like, I think that it's great. Like, I can find things. I can't find my own things when I lose them, but I can find other people's things. Yes, you have been very helpful. (laughs) And I remember, so this is a part of my personality, and some of you could probably relate to this. I don't know if it's a personality trait or whatever, (laughs) but my mom used to say to me this. (laughs) Girl, you would lose your head if it wasn't attached to you. And that's from when I was a child. So I have developed an understanding Mm -hmm. that things in your life can get lost. I have tried the whole detachment thing, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't work. I mean, I can detach from stuff, but... Not really. But so. every because everything you have is selected with such care. Yeah, I and have for to such say that. she doesn't have I mean really, she doesn't have one thing. We don't have things that don't have a very significant yeah. meaning yeah. in this house. And, yeah. and and we never did. Like things when we go on vacation and we're buying souvenirs, like things are selected because they have deep meaning to the culture or the experience that we had right. in that place. Right. And I would say we don't have just decorations for decoration's sake or for decor sake or anything. And we don't have items. It ha- it serves a purpose or it or it well, has meaningful. a meaning. So yeah. I think like and the fact that you uh, have a tendency to misplace things, I think speaks to your just creative nature and the fact that you are constantly looking for um, or thinking about the next really creative thing, whether that's something you're writing or now your new art venture or your whatever. I just think your brain is constantly in creative mode. And so the, the minutia of putting everything completely, it's not something your brain takes time to think about. But right. I think that's that's a part of your creative process that's really powerful and beautiful and that one of the reasons why I really try to mobilize when you do lose things is like she must have been in a deep creative space in order to have misplaced this thing that means so much to her or not notice that it wasn't where it should have been at the time. I think it's a part of like 
the best parts of your creative process. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So for all of you out there who suffer from losing things, <laughs> because on a bigger scale, we have to learn how to practice detachment. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the lesson that you are getting when you lose things is ultimately, can you let it go? And of mm. course, things that you lose, you just don't find them. Maybe you can replace them or whatever. But the question is, when somebody loses something that they believe is important to them, can you have compassion and just not say to them, you know, things that are insensitive in the moment so that they can either get themselves geared up for detachment or you can help them find it. Mm -hmm. If you can't do those two things, then you should just kind of stay out of it because otherwise you're causing a person to have to deal with some real small stuff, you know, to be petty about it and we don't want to go there. So compassion. So Courtney, do you have another one? I honestly, because we hit on some of the similar things, I think I might be tapped out of small things. Oh, wow. Well, lucky you because I'm not. Okay, well, so. like I, you've been sparking some that I didn't realize. Well, how about this one? So here's another one and that is this one I think is new because mm -hmm. relatively new in terms of technology. We just did a show on the digital divide, but okay. that is when people nearly bump into you while they are walking and talking mm. on their cell phone. Yeah. I guess this is not one that I feel like I can speak on because I am a cult. I am guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, well, you know, this when is, you're walking down the issue, street, but it's not, but I have one related to this. Okay. I have one related to this. Can I say what it is? Yeah, sure. So I have one related to this and my, I'm going to shout out my friend, Natalie Kernesant, because she and I had talked about this many years ago. But we have an issue when people, and there's a specific type of person that does this, but I will not stereotype today or right. overgeneralize is more specific. When you're walking and two people are walking in opposite directions, right. and you know there's not enough space, so you got, are having to walk, and one person, the other person just assumes you're going to step to the side. And so you move a little bit, but they still bump you and they say nothing. Oh. Like, and it's just like the assumption that I'm going to, you don't, I would rather see an attempt that we both attempted to move out of the way rather than you're just going to come directly for me. And this came up because we noticed a specific segment of the population where we were living at the time right. does this. And right. we found it to be, uh, indicative of a larger social issue and rude and rude of just yeah. like I'm this is my space well you know as we're talking <clears throat> about these topics today I don't know why but my mother is like in this conversation because mm -hmm. I keep hearing things that she would tell me because I think she taught me a lot of things about small stuff mm -hmm. and how to handle yourself when you're outside and so forth but I remember being a little girl and walking with her and maybe I did this with you and your brother but she would say to me while we were walking and a person would come toward us, she would say to me, share the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Just those words, share the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that that meant a person is coming and step to the side. Yeah. And so when I'm walking now, I hear that if I see a person coming, share the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. But I think what has happened with the cell phone mm -hmm. is that the person doesn't see somebody else coming. Yeah. Because they're, they're looking at their phone. And so you see them coming. Mm -hmm. So you need to move over. But then people have an attitude now. 
because other people are walking with their cell phone and then they'll say something like, well, I guess he or she is just going to bump right into mm-hmm. me. And then that person does Or you're that. not walking and they're walking. Like yeah. you're standing and doing something, looking at something or talking to someone, not in the way, but you're right. just talking and they don't, because they're looking down, they just walk right into you while you're standing still. So it's not always that you're both walking, but sometimes it's that they're just not looking, so they're just, you know, they walk into you right. standing still. Um, so I get it, and I am, you know, I'm I'm better about it because I'm trying to be less um, involved with my phone when I'm out or whatever. Right. Just in general, I'm trying to not be in my phone as much right. and be more observant of the world around me and, and present in yeah, so we have to let technology not take us over. Yeah. Okay, well, I just have a few more. And the next one is <laughs> when people ask me, Okay. and see if you can relate to this one, mm-hmm. um, if they'll say, oh, did you lose weight? You uh, look great. Yeah. As if to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what it means. You're this is say. one of those things where, again, I don't know what it means because I'm the kind of person... I don't get on a scale. Yeah. I don't diet. I don't deal with it in that way. I exercise. I try to eat right and so forth. And I'm generally comfortable with my physical appearance. Mm-hmm. This is something I just don't deal with, mm-hmm. really. Um, even though I do have thoughts about it. For example, um, my husband and I often joke because I always think that I'm bigger than I am. Mm, it's true. And he and he says like you you're not much different mm-hmm. from the way you were when I first met you. You know, I've had babies and so forth. So of course, I'm not the same as I was in college, but he just feels like I'm out of sorts with that in some ways. But I don't it's not really a big part of my thinking, but when someone just out of the blue says to me, "Oh, um you look you lost weight. You look great." I'm like, "Well, did I not look great before? I mean, I'm not understanding. It's the addition of the you look great. <laughs> yeah, the, you like, look great. Implies that I was a raggedy mess before. Yeah, like, what, what are you like, saying? Which is like, <laughs> like <laughs> even, no matter what it is, it's like, oh, um, I love that hairstyle. You look so good today. It's like, like, was like, I looking what a, messed what, up? And messed why didn't you tell me? <laughs> if I was looking a hot mess before, you have an obligation to pull me aside and let me know and take the potential thrashing that you would have received from being so blunt with me. But you know what? I think it might be just small talk because I agree. when I started studying Mandarin, I learned (laughs) that there's a certain way that people greet each other in which they don't really expect a response. For example, a person might say to another person, when they see them, and mm-hmm. they always say, chilama, which means, have you eaten? Mm-hmm. And then the person is not supposed to go on and say, oh, yeah, I ate and <laughs> I had this for lunch and so on. So you could just say yes. It's a rhetorical greeting. Yeah, it's like a greeting. Uh, and so maybe when someone says to you, did you lose weight? You mm-hmm. look great. Because there's some other kinds of questions around weight, too, um, that I just learned about in greetings in mm-hmm. Mandarin. That are not meant to insult a person. It might be the opposite. It might be where someone says to a person, oh, wow, you gained so much weight. And instead of the person getting offended, they might not take that in that way. Mm -hmm. They know that it's just conversation. So maybe it's not such a uh, 
sensitive question. It's definitely small stuff. It's definitely small stuff, yeah. and I just think it's the interpretation of the you look great. It's like, what are you acknowledging that today I look especially stunning? Or that I needed to or look Or that I was, like I said before, a raggedy mess before, and you just didn't know how to tell me, so you waited till I got it together right. to say, oh, well, now you look great. Yeah. So, okay, that's another one. The other one is talking in a movie theater. Uh, Once listen. the movie starts. Listen. Listen, like when the credits, are, you know, when you first come in and they're playing, what do you call those? The, the previews. The previews and the ads to tell mm-hmm. you to go and get popcorn and all that. It's like, talk all you want. But when the movie that I paid for hits that screen, I think it is a reasonable yeah. expectation for me at that I, point I can't to argue. expect absolute silence. Listen, and with the with the age of streaming services, uh, going to the and the increasing prices of movie tickets, going right. to the movies is not what it used to be. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's not the weekly. I mean, I remember there was a time when we would go to the movies either as a family or with my friends once I was allowed to go alone. Just like literally every Friday or Saturday, I was at the movies with my little $5 to right. go to the movies right. or whatever it was. But now it's quite an, an, an It's an endeavor, an, especially endeavor. if you go to the kind of and we have we like really, yeah, we, have, we have realized that like if we're going to go to the movie, there's going to be an experience, okay? Right, we want to we have want, the meal. We want the meal, the cocktail, <laughs> like we want the, the comfy experience. Chair. We want the reclining chair or at least the comfy, you know, sofa-style chair. Right. We, I went to one where they gave me a blanket. <laughs> me too. And I was I went like, to the theater with your brother and we had a blanket. This <laughs> magic. You've brought me a blanket, a cocktail, yeah. and a delicious entree. Right. Right to And me? sometimes you can order the entree before you get there Listen. so that right before the movie so starts, they it bring it to you. Come on now. An experience. Okay. <laughs> so when the movie starts. Now, please, please. Be respectful of the fact that I done dropped my, what, $16.99 to $25 on the ticket alone. <laughs> right. And you have as well, sir or madam. <laughs> now, likewise, I'm going to extend on this. Do not bring your child to a movie oh, that yes. is not meant. Like, there is a po- there's another podcast where they talk about this all the time called The Read. But it's like, there are movies... For children. Right. And there are movies for adults. Right. And they are, like, not appropriate or they're not going to hold the attention, maybe, of your child. And then we have to watch your three-year-old run up and down. Now, I understand that child care is expensive. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, we don't want to be insensitive. We don't want to be insensitive, but but you have to be considerate. Just wait till your children are older. This is what... (laughs) I'm serious because I have raised two children. I remember when you all were little and we still wanted to go out to dinner. We yeah. still wanted to go to the movies and yeah. we wanted to do all those adult things. But there were some times where we just couldn't get a babysitter or whatever. And so we would just say, we have to stay in this evening. you know. But then there were other people that would just say, <laughs> on that night when we did get a babysitter yeah. and we had the opportunity to go out and we were all excited that somebody else was just like, well, we couldn't get a babysitter. Yeah, so we just bought our child. I love children. Me too. I'm an educator of the children at one time. And now, you know, I love them. And I think that the more things you, you know, expose your children to in terms of experiences, travels and things like that, like, yes. Yes. But then you have to, it's kind of, you have to have, you know, be considerate of others. Like my child can 
you know, it's just he's he doesn't want to sit through a two hour right. movie and we respect about that. British royalty. Right. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> so or about something anything. You know? Anything. Like sometimes the movies are violent or they're, you know, over stimulating yeah. in terms of the graphics and so forth and the child could be frightened the 3d movies you know like come it's on like, right it's just, just that a running like these things all come down to consideration yes. and the fact that like i have paid this money and other people have paid this money to have an experience and right. i have to say the word like that because <laughs> that's what it is and even when something is free because the last <laughs> item that i'm going to bring up it's, about it's not only about the money so yeah, and this okay. is my final small stuff thing. Okay. And it's probably um, more pervasive in our lives because we live in Miami and okay, so we have the beach it. available oh, to us. I knew so you were going to the here beach. Here is the beach closure small stuff item and that is when you come to the beach mm-hmm. and you want to play music, See. use your Headphones. Okay, now we're going to agree to disagree on this Use one. Use your because headphones. I feel like the beach is an open space. Listen. The, you can't control the air sound waves. I'm saying, listen, <laughs> listen. I grew up in the era where I there was a... This there, I grew up in the era where there was a thing called the boom box. Okay. people were literally walking around, carrying the boom box. They would get on the subway, because I'm a New Yorker. They would, you know, just walk around with this box in their hand, blasting their music. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that. I guess it just went out of style or whatever. Or ordinances maybe were passed to stop <laughs> this. I don't know what happened. But somehow, some way, maybe it's the evolution of the headphones. I think I, it has the evolution of the I just don't tech. know the history because yeah. I haven't studied it. I think it's the evolution But of what tech. I'm saying is that I come to the beach. Yeah. I bring my beach chair and my umbrella and everything. And... You know, my purpose for going to the beach is so that I could be on the sand, go in the water, and relax and yeah. chill. Yeah. Right? I have my own kind of music that I want to listen to, and you might have your own kind of music that you want to listen to, but the two may not mesh. Like, right. what you like might not be what I like. So for you to come mm-hmm. and plop down next to me... With your music, with no headset, and blast it as if I must enjoy what you want to listen to. Not having it. No. And and there's nothing I can do about it because this is not a situation where you could get up and go over to somebody because of the very point that you made. I can't go over to that person and say, can you turn your music down? Right. I mean, it just seems inappropriate because it's a public space. But I'm saying, why can't I have on my headset... And that's how I deal with it now. So I actually have a private solution. Mm-hmm. Because this only becomes an issue when I don't have my headset. Right. So wow. the salute, but sometimes they blast their music so loud that you have a number of options. One is you could pick up and pack up all your stuff that you've mm-hmm. laid out with your blanket and your chair and all that kind of stuff and move someplace else. Well, yes. The other option is that you could put on your headset. And then hopefully their music isn't so loud that it doesn't override your own headset Mm -hmm. or leave. Because if you go over, because I feel like if somebody is so rude to do this, (laughs) then they're not a reasonable person that I can have a conversation (laughs) with. I'm dead. Well, okay, so I feel like I, you know, I agree to disagree on this one. How could you disagree? Because I feel like you can't. Like, I think people come to the beach to be, and come anywhere in public like that to be outwardly 
social and openly social. And like, if it's one person, I get like, sir or madam, you could just put headphones in. Like, but if you see big families or big groups of friends, no, I'm not talking about that. So you're talking that's about the, a party. You're talking about the individual. I'm not talking about a, so you somebody won't plop yeah. down next to the party. I won't plop down next to okay, the party. So and if the party comes, I guess plop I can down agree with that. Move. I'm talking about the individual. Sometimes it's one person. <laughs> okay. I have been at the beach. And, you know, maybe it was your father and I, and we were sitting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even bring our headsets, because you know what? We're not here for the music. We're here for to... For those sweet sounds of the ocean. The, yeah, to hear the waves <laughs> crashing and so forth. And some person comes up, <laughs> plops down yeah. with a boombox. And my first question uh, is, who has a boombox? That's the <laughs> <one>. <laughs> The second thing is that that person will <laughs> blast their music, which is not even music that I like, uh, as if everybody in that area wants to hear the music. Well, so again, we can agree to disagree. Well, around, I, I have a little more um, consideration patience or understanding for that because, you know, there's times also I feel like sometimes when I'm at the beach, it's just it's, it's a hot situation and I don't want additional things on me and just to have my music next to me. But I, you know, I usually just play music out of my phone. And then if I want to put it loud, I just put it close to my ear so I can hear it. Whatever. I get it. I have one at the beach, though, because I prefer to go to the beach because of my schedule allows. I If I do go to the beach, it's on a day like Friday or Thursday, which is one of my off days where I'm not doing any teaching face-to-face at the university, and I can go to the beach when others are not able to because they're at work. That's heaven. And, then, That's and I, I also go to a portion to. of Miami Beach where it's not frequented by tourists it's more of a local section of the beach so i i like to not be around people when i go to the beach beach. but sometimes you can't help it because it's summertime or what have you here's my thing why do we have to throw footballs and other things at the beach because in a pool or in a pool like yeah like i get it i've been one of these people but it's like if the beach is and miami beach can get literally like towel to towel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when it's crowded. When it's yeah. crowded. And I don't care what section, like it can get towel to towel at from from uh, South Beach to North Miami yeah, yeah. Beach. Like it can it can get intense. And so my thing is like fine, if you want to throw the ball around and have like go where there's not a large concentration of towels. Because if you hit me, yeah. We gonna like I was in a pool just last week and these two grown mm-hmm. men, not children, not mm-hmm. a man, a father and his son. Because sometimes you're a little lenient or mm-hmm. it's a father and his daughter and they're throwing the ball. Cute. Like a, you know, it's usually a guy. That's why yeah. I keep saying Adorbs. Ball. Right. It doesn't have to be, but yes. usually. But they're throwing the ball. And, you know, you're saying, Oh, it's you know, a parent and child. Mm-hmm. But when it's two grown men, <laughs> And I'm trying to swim around, and you start throwing a regular football, not even like the, soft, the blow up soft, one. but mm-hmm. a regular football. I'm like, if you hit me in the head mm-hmm. with that football, you know, while I'm swimming. And these guys were so rude, and people were so concerned about them throwing the football that people just got out of the pool. Ugh. And I'm like, you they know, were throwing a, a they were throwing a real football in a it was a huge swimming pool. Mm. But nevertheless, it's like, what about you as a grown man? <laughs> Two grown men <laughs> feels that it's okay when there's other human beings that are swimming in this pool. What mm-hmm. about you feels that it's okay to throw the football? And what I think it was because you know I went off to the side because I couldn't swim and I was just looking at them. <laughs> 
sweating the small stuff. And I was thinking to myself, you know what I think? I think that they think that they're so good at throwing the ball back and forth that that they're not going to miss catching it. They're confident. They're overly confident. And could you appreciate the confidence? No. I I felt it was so rude and so did others. I just feel like sometimes it's also like a lot of like showboating and just like like it's having a good time yeah but it goes back a lot of what we're talking about goes back to consideration of others right and this is just a a sheer matter of safety yeah right like if you and (laughs) (laughs) let's throw in decency like just be decent when you're out amongst other people So we can summarize all that we've been saying here today. I think some key words have come up. Yes. So number one, it's okay to sweat the small stuff sometimes because we need to get this stuff off our chest. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I appreciate the concept of don't sweat the small stuff all the time because you'll just be a mess. Yes. So these books, if you've never read them by Richard Carlson, PhD, they're really excellent. I have the whole collection. (laughs) And I've read them all. Mm-hmm. So I really recommend that. But also, let's think about compassion, mm-hmm. civility, mm-hmm. decency. What are the words that we use? You know, just um, just try to be mindful of other people. Even yeah. when you're at the grocery store, if you're yeah. at the beach, if you're parking your car, when you're driving. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you guys out there have any other things that you want to get off your chest Mm -hmm. just go for it because we want to hear what they are yeah because i think we should be out here and we had a conversation about this term but living our best lives right and having a good time yeah but we have to recognize that our actions do impact others who are also trying to live their best lives yes and so we can all be out here authentically engaging in the world respectfully of each other in a respectful manner so that's just. I'm glad we got to air this out. This <laughs> it is a feels great, good. It's great. We're recording this yeah. on a, on a Friday, yeah. and I must say that it feels really. Good. I woke up very excited to record this episode right. because I. It feels good to just air these out. Sometimes. Yeah, just let it just out. Let it out <laughs> and not worry because it. It's your. You have to do it sometimes. It feels good. And now I feel like I'm gonna go and get my nails done. <laughs> right, and I'll be very conscious now yeah, of I'll, other people's behavior. Yeah, and you get and, more self-aware too. Yeah. It's like what? Because I've recognized some of the things you mentioned as yeah. things that I do. Yeah, because we all do it. <laughs> and then at, if you really get, you know, you go to the grocery store mm-hmm. somewhere and you experience this, and then you have to go back to the car. Yeah. Play this podcast. <laughs> play this episode. Okay, with that, Courtney. All right, so as always, you can send us your contributions to this episode. If you have any small stuff you'd like to air out and that maybe we didn't mention or add to the conversation about those we did mention, you can send us a message uh, on either of our um, Instagram or Twitter accounts, which are both at Ivy Roses Podcast, or send us an email at ivoryrosespodcast at gmail.com. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time.